Hello, welcome to Soul Led, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of your soul and the development of your spiritual gifts. I am Nikki Novo, your spiritual mentor, a fiery Latina, mom of three, and a lover of all things intuitive. You're here because you're meant to be here. So let's do this. Okay, welcome, welcome to another episode of Soul Led. Okay, guys, it is the moment you've all been waiting for. Everybody's been manifesting this with me. Today, we have a very special guest, and we want to welcome Rebecca Campbell to the podcast. Welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Nikki. Hi, everyone. Great to be here with you all. Thank you. So for those of you who maybe don't know Rebecca, I'll quickly give you a little background. So Rebecca Campbell is a world-renowned writer, mystic poet, mother, channel, and creative. She is the best-selling, international best-selling author of Rise, Sister Rise, Letters to a Star Seed, The Work Your Light Oracle, The Star Seed Oracle, Light is the New Black, so many other creative things. I can see that you're working some, on something else right behind you in your... Yeah, it's a new oracle on the rose. It's going to print like literally tomorrow morning. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, I'll show you a little bit. This is like the, the rough mock-up. Um, oh, like the rose. Yeah, exactly. You can see that I've used the, uh, an old deck to kind of cut and paste. <laughs> I love it. You guys see, we hear it. We're here hearing it first. So Rebecca, we're huge Blue fans. and stickers. <laughs> huge fans of your cards. I do a Monday card reading. I've been doing it for many oh, amazing. years now. And we, I usually, I have your cards with me. We use the light and we use the star seed. So we'll oh, amazing! excited when the rose comes out. And actually that's one of their, we'll just jump right into it. But that's one of the questions I was getting from the group. I love your books so much and I want to talk about them, but the cards are just so powerful. And they were wondering like, what's your process? How are you channeling them? Like, and maybe mm. you're finishing a process right now. You can share a little bit. Mm. Wow. Well, yeah, I'd always, I don't, so prior to doing like the work that I do now, I don't know if you had a, another career before. <laughs> um, Thank you. What, you. Okay. What, what, we, what career was it? I was in media. I worked in media. Okay. Right. So I think we all have our training for, for unexpected and expected reasons. And I worked as a, as, as a writer, but also a creative, so creative director, art director. And so I, I was really always wanting to do oracles because yeah, visuals are such a, and, and concepts have been, it's just like what I have been trained in. And yeah, I really wanted to do the oracle oracles because I'd always had these visions of like these other places from here. And it was like, oh, wow, what an amazing way to be able to integrate that and, you know, different bits of energy as well. Um, and so, yeah, the process for creating decks is I always um, have like the overall concept and um, the purpose of it. So like, like, how is it touching us when, when we're using it? And then from there, I'll, I'll do a mood board. Um, and so I'll know the color palette. I'll know the, the visual style as well. And then I'll try and find an artist that is um, aligned to that. Um, I did my first two decks with one artist and I've got a different artist I'm working with on this one. Yeah. And then for every single card, I'll do the card names next, um, which are more concepts. Um, and so it'll be the the title. So, you know, like I've got a, um, a card title is called like the courageous peony, for example, is like a concept. And then underneath is a sub and that's really what the call to action is or the, the insight is. And then the writing 
normally is channeled from there. Sometimes it's writing that's already come. Um, sometimes it's writing that comes as I'm, as, as I, as like a puzzle coming together. And then what I do, so I'll get all of them signed off. Sometimes I'll put them into different, um, like bits of paper or cardboard and just see if it works together. Cause I think when you're doing an Oracle, you need the energy of all the cards to kind of come together. And so when you see it all printed out on the ground, you can kind of, well, it's on the ground for me. Um, and I move it around, you can kind of see which bits are like, yes, that's good, but mm, that's not quite right. So it's kind of, for me, it's like energetic, um, as well as creative. And then for every card, I'll either do a, a sketch, like a concept of if I've seen like a clear vision, or I'll do like a mood board, a conceptual mood board with inspiration. Um, with this recent artist, Katie, that I've been working with, I even, um, for some of them, I like w- might do a chant or I'll, I'll voice note it. Like this, this one is based on a dream I had or a activation I had and I'll talk into it and yeah she, she she's been great because she can really she feels energy and works with energy so that that's been great and then it's just back and forth back and forth back and forth I'm um I, I'm Virgo Scorpio rising Aries moon so I'm kind of I'm a perfectionist <laughs> and so we'll probably do like 30 to get to the one um and then you've got, if you're going with a publisher, there's the review process. So then there's more reviews, more reviews, more reviews. So yeah, there's well, more than that, but that's it in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> we appreciate your, we honor your perfectionism because we all get to, you know, <laughs> benefit. So it's all good. <laughs> so, so what, why the rose? Where did that be? So, you know, the rose is something, and I'm sure we've all got our version of this, on our path where these like real significant things that happen that we don't realize how significant they are until, well, we look back. So for me, when I was kind of in my previous career, I'd known for, gosh, since I was a teenager, the real call that was within me, but I was always just trying to figure out how to do it and, you know, just never feeling ready. And so riding two surfboards for quite a while. And then when I finally, finally committed to fully living a soul-led life, like literally inviting the soul to step forward and, and acting on it, like not in a great big way, but every single day, like letting that, that intuitive part lead, it led me to, I asked myself a question of what lights me up. Cause you know, that concept of lighting yourself up, it's really, it's another way of becoming soul led. Right. Cause when you're lit up, it's like the soul is in the body and it all kind of comes together. And the answer I got was flowers, which I felt a little bit disappointed by, cause I was like, come on, like, where's the big thing? So anyway, I ended up buying myself flowers every week and I noticed, um, it's so obvious to me now, but I noticed how important beauty was for me, like as inspiration. And so from there, um, I ended up discovering, I grew up in Australia and live in the UK now. And in London, there's incredible parks, the Royal Parks, they're called. And I discovered Queen Mary's Rose Gardens, which has like 20,000 roses in full bloom when they're in bloom. And I started walking there every day, doing my practice there every day. And it's there through that repetition. So it was definitely repetition that 
what I call like the whispers, whether it's nature, whether it's from Mother Rose, whether it's from my own soul, maybe it's from all of it, that began began to calm. And yeah, so that became part of my daily practice of um, writing every day. Um, and it turned into my first book. Um, but I've really, so nature has been a big part of my writing, my writing process. It's always done in nature, often like walking the land. And yeah, so the rose really was like this gateway to me. And the more that I learned about her, the more I realized uh, how much of a symbol of the feminine she is and goddesses of old, mystical secret symbol. Um, and then of course, there's a botanical part of it where is the beauty and there is the, the healing qualities as well. Um, and so I'll stop myself because I could talk for yeah. an hour on yeah. the rose, but um, it was really that. And it was kind of surprising how the rose came. I, um, like many of us during COVID, what I had planned to create and within my business, it ended up shifting quite a lot. And um, I was due to do a deck on something else. And then the rose just kept on coming. And I mentioned it to Michelle, my editor, and she's like, yes, go for that. <laughs> and I, and it's so, yeah, and it just un unfolded. And it has been quite a, I think anytime you're doing a creative process, there's, there's always an energy that is working within it. And it's been quite an intense energy to work with. You know, the rose seems to be all like, oh, beautiful and loving, but she's got the thorn. Yeah. She takes you into the earth. And yeah, it's like she's the mother, really. So yeah, it's been an incredible process. Um, yeah. That's such a great example of you know, receiving that message, which you were like, oh, I got the flower, like super mm. boring. And then really going so deep in it because we teach a lot of, um, you know, connecting, using your intuition, getting those messages. But mm. sometimes we just take um, take those messages for granted and we kind of mm. just toss them because they don't see seem as deep. But you took this one item, this one topic, this one piece of the world and just went so deep into it. And that's just a beautiful mm -hmm. example for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I think in my experience, intuition often works like that. And, you know, we can kind of tell the story in hindsight and it sounds very clear and big and dramatic, but I could tell that story that way if I needed to or wanted to. But really it's just kind of like this invisible path where you're like, I think this is it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> And it leads you all the way to here. So that's beautiful. Mm. Rebecca, in your first book, The Work Your Light, which is why I knew you were in, I was in media too. You you have mm. a creative background, you were saying. But you mentioned that there were some periods of awakening, I think 2011 and 2013, mm. uh, which ultimately led you here into this work. And, uh, you, you know, you weren't necessarily, you know, knowing that you knew you were going to do the work, but didn't know how. Mm. Um, what were those awakenings like? Like, do you remember mm. them just for people? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, I really believe that the awakening process never, ever ends. There were the, the one around 2011 had a big lead up, which was really, you know, the, that feeling when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're kind of like, oh, God, this life I don't think it's right. Like, oh, I need to change, you know, um, which is like your classic Saturn returns type period as well. And then it was the end of it. Well, 
maybe even the beginning of it. So that niggling was there for a long time. It just got more and more harder to ignore. And then um, I had quite a few sudden heartbreaking things happen, like through death and end of relationships. And so it really like hurtled me into grief and um, I'd say like rock bottom moments. And that is when the rose first came and that, yeah, it was like part of the healing. But yeah, it was really in that rock bottom part of it that did hurtle the awakening. You know, I had to surrender to that rock bottom in order for the awakening to happen. And then when the awakening bit happened, like around the 2011, 2012, um, I was living in, um, a studio apartment in Notting Hill. And that's when I had, I'd say when I, when I was a teenager, I had a little bit of like Kundalini Shakti. I don't know if you know much about that experiences. And I was tested as if I had epilepsy or something like that. Like, and by symptoms, I mean the shaking and yeah, that came again, cause I hadn't had it for quite a while that came then. And it was very intense, like teeth chattering, kind of vibe was like my whole body vibrating. Um, and then on my morning walks, I began to kind of see the only way I can describe it is almost like the codes, the sacred geometry within nature. And so it was, it was this period where everything was just really, really intense. And when I look back, um, cause I have had different periods since then. Um, and I'm just coming out of one, which, um, I would say is, was, which is post birth. And that was more excruciating. I would say <laughs> like, it felt like the energy was coming and moving through everything within maybe ancestral lines or something that was stuck. Um, whereas 2011, while it was like the rock bottom before it was really, really painful. But when the energy came and that awakening happened, it was more ecstatic. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you feel that that's like kind of a, a reintegration of your energy? Like, did you feel that mm. almost like you were getting pieces of yourself back? Like, do you mm. That's such that a good question. So I feel like the most recent one post-birth was I had a, an, a moment during the birth where I saw through the ancestral lines and it felt like what really happened there was I kind of let the, the energy of the entire universe move through me. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that in birth. So it was transcendent and imminent, like nothing more physical than I could possibly imagine. And then, and so it felt like it cleared things. I don't know if it is, if it's energetic, physical, it, it didn't feel soul. And I'm still, I, yeah, I need more time to, to properly answer this, but I'd say that it was physical, soul, ancestral, and also the initiation into motherhood. And I don't mean the role by that. I mean, adulthood. That's what it was for me anyway. I don't think we need to give birth to do that, but there was something around with my birth. I had a lot of challenges that I needed to face in the lead up of the pregnancy and all of that. And I felt like those lessons coupled with the physicality, mm -hmm. there was some kind of expansion that happened. And then 
yeah and then the the awakening process which felt like the opposite of that really <laughs> um the energy would come and it would be at night at night because i think i was just so busy on my feet during the day and it felt like it was coming up and and rubbing up against um maybe patterns or traumas that some were mine but it felt more held in the line rather yeah so yeah. that's like a polar opposite it's a similar kind of shakti physical very physical experience but yeah the first one was much more ecstatic <laughs> yeah, no they're they're all like different I, the, the, have you had much experience with that kind of stuff yeah well i mean i birth to me is like one of my favorite things. I, mm. I would totally give birth to a lot of, but I don't want to keep the kids and I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep all the children. Sure a lot of people would like say, Hey, let's do a deal. <laughs> I would have an exchange. I actually, because it's to me, you know, there I've given birth twice. My first is adopted. So I've only given birth twice, but I just think they're just these amazing ex initiation experiences. Like, and it's not that it's fun. It's just more just something that, I mean, I, you know, which is only a woman could experience, which, which I think is also such a blessing, but it is such a quick death process. I feel mm. like, you know, we we're always dying and being reborn. Right. Usually it's a little bit of like a slow death. And I think there's mm. like, to me, that, that birth part is like, that is the quickest death I've ever experienced. That like mm. from one second to the next, you are death and you are dead and you were reborn. Like that, mm. that's it. And for you, was it the same between your two children? Like giving birth the first time and the second time? Like was the instancy of of the death and rebirth the same or was it completely different? No, at all. I think that the, you know, the first one was um, very disorienting, you know, like I, I, I feel like I would imagine like, you know, those spirits that get stuck that when they die, mm -hmm. they, it was like traumatic death. So they get mm -hmm. stuck and they become like ghosts, you know, they're not, they're just hanging around. That's, I feel like I was a ghost the first time. Like I, mm -hmm. everything had changed, but I, it was so traumatic for me mm -hmm. that I like remained a ghost, you know, I was just kind mm -hmm. of like, I wasn't ready to go up and go into the light, let's say. Mm -hmm. the second one, I kind of knew what was about to happen because I had already experienced it. And I was able to surrender a lot more. And I, I could, I could go straight into like death mm -hmm. and, and rebirth because mm -hmm. I, I, I was like, I'm not going to be a ghost this time, if that makes right, sense. Right. So, but I think it's just, you know, it's, it, and it's because usually when you die and you are reborn through these, you know, these awakenings, like you said, it's like almost like not until you look back. Do you mm. know that it happened? Mm. But there's something about giving birth that mm. is so you can't help but be present. Almost right. Like, so it's like you're you just like kind of in a way almost like know it's happening. So mm. like, yeah, because yeah, it's so physical and there is that evidence, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Like little person to like tell you. <laughs> this was, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Nothing better to make you grounded than a little I, one yeah. crying. I always think of the. Yeah, like every mother, if they're open to it, should be a second time mother because the second time is much easier. <laughs> so. Is it? I can imagine. Oh, yeah. First time is just like, wait, what? <laughs> I remember, I remember um, like when my son came, I was just like, how do you, how do I need to learn how to teach someone how to read and count in order to do this? And then it's like, you're there and you're like, oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, you just never, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, 
I'm always running through my mind, like what I'm like, always see my children in the future, like going to therapy for their mom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? But you know, gotta, so, um, sorry, well, sidetracking now uh, <laughs> question. Speaking of children, you mentioned in the letters to a star seed, which I really enjoy. People of course are, are loving this. They, people are dying to have these conversations. So we're just so grateful that you were, you know, brave enough even to, and for your publisher, everybody who like backed you up to be able to have this conversation. We're just really grateful for it. Uh, I think it touched a lot of hearts. At the end, you talk about the sun, children of the sun, mm-hmm. which I feel like you left me at the end of like a Netflix series that I was watching. And I'm like, you just left me on the, the cliff Rebecca. <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> please do tell us um, kind of what you consider the children of the sun. Well, first of all, I think it is a great big mystery because <laughs> I think that they have, like I'm, I'm looking up on my wall here and there is, it's under like my next book, which is called Returning, which I was meant to write before that, but it just couldn't come completely. And there's a lot of like golden children there. And um, I'm feeling into who they are as well. One answer, which I, I know is true, but I think that there is more to it than this is it's the ones that will come and never forget who they are. They never f- they yeah. never go into the separation. And that doesn't mean that they don't have the polarity experience, but they're welcomed and recognized. And if they're not, they never forget. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, I teach uh, waking up these intuitive gifts that we've always had, but we go through mm. the forgetting process, right? And mm. then, you know, like you were saying, but even my children, for instance, like they, they're reading auras already and they're Mm. spirit guides and there is no, you know, they've had, they have had sessions of seeing the Akashic records and their purpose. Mm. We're really almost like trying to eliminate that Mm. um, forgetting. And it's interesting because the forgetting process is like, it is part of the human experiment. Like that was the whole, you know, source was like, we're going to give this whole veil of forgetting great job of describing it. And I think in the first book, this, you know, it's that, that forgetting process, mm. but I would, I guess what you're saying is that perhaps these are kids that the species has evolved when, so they're not burdened with that veil as much. And yeah. And I think also, I think that there is this element of them coming in and like, I'm just seeing the, the ancestral lines. So you've got the ancestors before us. Right. And I think a lot of us, um, particularly in the West, it's like, Oh, the burden and the trauma, you know, blah, 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 you know, but actually there's the gifts as well. And I think that one thing that I've seen happening kind of like really high right now is so much ancestral healing, but kind of like, like properly looking at rather than kind of bypassing it, like being fully in it. Mm -hmm in order for the lines going forward to be clear. And so I feel like some of these children or souls, some are coming in and the lines are clear and some are coming in to be part of the clearing. So it's like working with the parents that it doesn't have to just be the parents, but, but it's like, it's like a, it's a partnership. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. I have goosebumps. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Now I can sleep at night, Rebecca. <laughs> what do you feel? Uh, no, I, 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 that's exactly, I think this is like a new version of like these rainbow children and the crystal children that were coming mm-hmm. in the 80s and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And like the next, I truly believe that intuition is, it is like, it's, it's our species developing. Like the same way we used to walk like all fours. I think that our, we're, we're going more into that light body Mm-hmm. Um, activating more of that. So these kids are, you know, I just feel like these, these children are going to be kind of leading, leading that mm. with the help of us, hopefully that are doing this work too. So right, that's what I was feeling. Mm. So star seeds, can you explain like for those of us that maybe don't know really what a star seed is or what mm. you, what you see a star seed as, can you explain that? And then talk about, um, I love the concept of planting, like, even though you may feel that you're a star seed, the, the mm. planting and really just kind of going deep, even going into deep into the lineages and all those things, even though sure. we somewhere else. So. Yeah. So, so when I first discovered the concept of star seed, it was around 2010, it felt like a huge homecoming to me. And it was me kind of like identifying to a concept. Um, and at that time, how I saw the concept was souls having experienced places elsewhere than here through, I did probably about five years of just like constant soul readings. And I then began to discover, and I don't do readings anymore. It was like, there is this, I was just guided to do intensive work. And then that's when I began writing and what I noticed is that a lot of these souls that that showed up, people that showed up who resonated or showed as star seeds had this longing for home without quite knowing where it is. They maybe felt like misplaced in the world and all of that. So that was my understanding of star seed. And actually the book Letters to a Star Seed that the download came around the time, like, I don't know, 2013, 2014, but nothing happened with the book. Then I had, you know, time passed, and it was in the beginning of lockdown when I was writing this book, Returning, which is all about returning to the earth, ourselves and each other, and about like weaving the sacred back in. Um, And of course, the sacred's already here in the earth, but like bringing the two together. That's when I was asked to write this book. And and at the time I was like, I don't know if that's what I meant to write. And I I said it, but I kept on praying on it. And it was, no, like you need to do this. And then, so, but, and I said, oh, I, I feel like I don't want to encourage everyone to just go out right now. And so it just felt opposite of what I was also being called to. And then, then, so I, I just asked for guidance and then I got, oh, that's the whole point. It's about us planting ourselves here deeper than before. So it's, and, and there's a lot of um, research in the book about ancient origins and what the ancients believed about the stars and and the interconnectedness of the cosmos and the earth and of course the earth is the cosmos but really what that book is about it's about calling our ancient star self which i would call our soul more fully here and sometimes when we do that that's where you know a lot of the like trauma can come up and and the the awakening process like it's not just all pretty um and so anyway I just kind of wanted to say that because that was it was it's almost like the book is in disguise (laughs) um come on over here I'll talk to you about (laughs) but my my 
current understanding and about what a star seed is and and i think this, this is one of the, the greatest mysteries and so i'm open to it evolving over time but i see a star seed as as someone who knows so they identify as a multi-dimensional being who has had their soul has experienced places elsewhere so that could be all of us Mm-hmm. who identify as being a soul who has experienced elsewhere. What I've noticed with a lot of people who are starseeds is that, or identifies as a starseed is that they have what I call a double mission or they think that they do. So it's individually grow as, grow as a soul, but then also are almost like planted here, like they're seeds for something that is happening collectively. And so it's not this thing of like, oh, I'm here to save the world. It's I have a note within a vast chorus that is being sung right now. And so we're kind of being woven. And I do see people who do identify as starseeds as kind of like being carefully placed and planted all over the world. And I wonder if one of the reasons why we may feel misplaced or, you know, have that longing is because maybe we've, maybe we've been planted in family, like ancestral lines that we're not used to, or I'm not sure what it is that I have seen that, that a lot of us have, we've come in different places that we're, we're not used to that. And I'm not just talking about like different star systems or planets or whatever. I'm talking about like maybe the other side of the world, for example, with a different constellation. So, yeah. Well, I, I see it the same way and mm-hmm. our community sees it the same way. Amazing. Uh, and it's the concept of, um, so I do, a, I'm just slowing off of my readings, but I've been doing very heavy readings for the last between like three and five years, mm. which is, you know, which is where it's beautiful to do them because you you get to you experience so many people and read so many souls that you mm. you get to get this information. And I too have seen um, when I go into the Akashic records, I go um, into the Book of Purpose for the person mm. if they're like seeking records, uh, seeking their purpose. And I too see like these two these two paths basically. One is for mm. the evolution of the soul, and then the other one is like kind of what influence their soul has on the collective. And it kind of, mm. reminds me of um, so we recently moved from Miami to North Carolina and uh, we have this beautiful Creek in front of our property. And it's the Creek is something like I've, I can stare at that Creek all day and like learn so much from the Creek. And um, it, what's interesting mm. about the Creek is that like one little rock will fall in one place and it'll totally change the trajectory of how the water flows. Just this like one little thing. It's just so interesting how it influences this very powerful flow of water. Mm-hmm. And that's how I try to explain the your collective purpose because sometimes we're like, I must, I'm here to save the world. And it's like, you'd be surprised like you as a little stone, like it's, it doesn't have to be that dramatic, like just right. you being in your full presence and in, in your, you know, really activating your soul in this lifetime truly affects like the flow of the, of the universe. So again, trying to kind of ground people into those messages. So, and then that's something that you, um, so you're, your book to me felt like, okay, like, yes, you are not crazy. You may be, a, you are probably a star seed, but, <laughs> but I love, even, you know, you start off the books talking about that, you know, the earth is, 
is part of the cosmos, which is true. It's like, we forget, like we are star people just simply by being on earth because earth is part of this system. So the thing about connecting as a star seed can can, uh, kind of sometimes bring us out of our body and not ground Mm. into this earth experience. So how can we better do that? Maybe being here. Uh, mm. Well, I think um, the like an obvious one is nature. Seeing the sacred in nature, just like you know, I'm sure you teach in 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 your trainings to see the spirit or the soul in people <laughs> in the other. You know, to do the same in the physical, everything in the physical. So yeah, I think that's like the the simplest way. I think another way, particularly in these times, is to so Jung and then Marion Woodman, who is a Jungian Jung, Jungian analyst, she spoke a lot about holding the tension of the opposites. And so like birth is a great example of that, where it's like the agony and the ecstasy are right there in the room at the same time. And I think that particularly over these past few years, we've never had both of those things, the the division that is here. You know, most people who identify as a starseed or whatever title we want to give ourselves, a soul, so anyone who's dedicated to living a soul-led life, right, will probably resonate with being sensitive. And I think the watch out for us is that we don't disassociate through that. And because often it is through some kind of traumatic event we experience an awakening and it's like a whole nother world opens up. And now that whole other world was there before. It's just been disconnected from the physical. And so, you know, what I've been getting so much over the past couple of years is like that we need to weave the two back together, stitch by stitch. And so if we do find ourselves kind of like going up into the, the love and light, it's not to like not hold that but how how can we find a way to seed it and plant it here rather than just kind of perpetuate that like otherness and that division even more yeah that that's that's something that I've been really praying into and feeling into and yeah and I've been seeing that like these opposites the poles are actually not like here and here they're actually like kind of like moving together in a way and so yeah i think that is the challenge of our times and you know it's just like we know this in relationships that when my husband and i it was like a year into getting married and i don't know if you've experienced this but you know it was that that point where it's like oh the syllabus of the relationship appears like post you know honeymoon kind of hormonal whatever and I was like, whoa. And we found this great therapy called Amago therapy, um, which got to help, helped us stay in, in the, um, in the integrity of the work of, of moving through it all. And we were taught this um, principle of conflict equals growth. And so it's like, when the conflict comes, it's like, woohoo, this yeah. is the pathway, but we have to stay in it just like birth, right? When you're in you can't be like, oh, I can't push uh, it. You wish you could, <laughs> but you can't. The only way is through. Um, and so I, I feel like it's a bit, a bit like that. And yeah, I think that many of us who have been committed to this path for a decent amount of time, 
we've seen something coming and have been writing about this thing coming, but then now it's certainly not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> we were going to be dancing around and holding hands. Uh, I don't know what I thought. I, I honestly don't. I, but I definitely didn't think it would be this. The aliens were going to come down and save us. Right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that is what's happening. I don't know. And maybe, you know, maybe it's like we thought it was just going to be a couple of years or a couple of decades. Maybe it's like centuries. I don't know. <laughs> I feel that sometimes too. I'm like, damn it. I thought it was coming like for the moment. And like, oh, I can't live that long. How long? You know? I know. I know. <laughs> um, speaking of Rebecca, uh, you know, your work is very inspiring. The format, people love just the, the format and the way you write the books. And it seems like you have somehow found a way to feel comfortable with sharing your heart, but also being opened to it not being like the final, final truth, let's say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but what gives you the courage to actually put it out there, even though you're still open and unattached to what's mm -hmm. coming through? Mm, gosh, I think that's like a constant struggle, right? <laughs> um, well, good job of it. So, yeah. oh, bless you. Yeah, I mean, I think what what I resisted, for, why I resisted what I knew I was being called to do for so long. I was so scared. I was so scared of getting it wrong. I was so scared of being persecuted. All of that kind of stuff. Um, just crippling fear. And then there was a point where I was just like, oh my gosh, I actually, I think the only thing more uncomfortable than that is not doing it. So that was a big moment. Then I felt like that at, at the beginning, I felt like I had to be an expert, you know, cause that was kind of like the model that was out there. I'd always, my writing has always been like channeled and, and, and a lot of, some of it is my experience as well, but I've not been teaching it myself I do research like that is like research but the bulk of it is me receiving it for myself um and so I don't I've never really seen myself as the one who is the expert teaching it's sharing what I've received and but at first I, I felt like I had to get it right all the time and then particularly like with my membership when I started my membership I started that um as a way of like creating a body of work because you know every creative needs a deadline <laughs> and yeah and then i kind of realized oh my gosh i can't just keep updating everything forever and i and i do like i i'd done a um in my discover your cosmic blueprint in that course i'd done a lot on star seeds and then when i did the book and i did like end the deck obviously i'm gonna discover more and more and more as more and more is revealed as well. And so I found myself updating things all the time and all of that. And I was like, you know what, let's just be honest about the fact, like how could we possibly know in a, in a clear way that stands the test of time definitively what the greatest mysteries that have captivated humans throughout humanity, how could I possibly know that for, for sure? we can't it's a mystery and i think that's that that's that was a big thing for me to really kind of like anchor down and own the fact that these are mysteries and it helped me 
really kind of like, it helped me in my teaching as well, because so much of my teaching has always been experiential. So me leading people through an experience of their soul, their experience of channeling, their experience of being connected to wherever in the universe that they're connected to. And so it's almost like we're all great explorers um, and kind of like what you're, you've experienced with the readings, you get to witness and read for all of these diverse souls, and then you get to take notes along the way. So I think it's really important. And I feel grateful that I have done that because consciousness is changing just so rapidly now. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about all of that? No, I, I think you're, that gift is like, you're okay with mystery, you know, and a lot of people right. into this work, into spiritual work or intuition work from our place of perfectionism. Like we're really just looking to know exactly what is the right path and to predict like what's going to work and what's right. not. Right. So true. So it's like control almost. Yeah. From our place of, I know that that was, I was like, wait a second, I can become spiritual, fix myself to death, and then I can be loved. This is amazing. Mm. This sounds like a great path for me. So I know right. that that's what uh, made me curious at first. And then of course, you know, lots of ego death throughout the process. Right. But it sounds like hearing you, it sounds like you have become very comfortable with mystery, which I think at the end of the day is like the release of the ego, you know, to that shit, I have no idea. I I don't Mm -hmm. know. This is like what's in my heart. This is what's coming through to me. And I have a Mm -hmm. feeling that it's worth sharing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it is, I mean, I hope we can all validate you today too, because Mm -hmm. um, I know that you know, reading the book and the cards, like they just, they resonate with so many people. So there has to be some truth to that. And if like, you would have never shared it, mm. you know, what, what would the world be? So. No, okay. thanks doll. <laughs> so tell me, um, I, so I, I have one last question. If you can tell me a little bit about what your readings were like, and then I was going to pull one of your cards. If you can channel a message for us from your own cards. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, the the most structured readings I did were with the Akashic Records, like you. Um, I, I trained with a few different teachers, um, but the one teacher that I trained with that gave me, um, I, felt, I found I needed a structure for my readings in order to fully let go. Do you know? Like it, it didn't feel right for me to just kind of like flow. Like, Hey, yeah. yeah. Eventually that did happen. But what really, really helped me, there's a, um, a woman called Andrea Hess. I don't know if you know her. And yeah, I, I did like, there was a structured process that, that she teaches. Like you basically had a reading sheet where you tune into the different, you'd access the records and you tune into different parts of the soul profile. That really helped me with, cause I, I think it's not for everyone, but, but for me particularly, I need ground in order to go. (laughs) And, you know, it's the same thing with my workshops. Um, I'll always have a plan and a process. And if I've got that, it's like the support, the ground, the structure, then I'll, it'll go out the window and incredible stuff will come. Whereas if I kind of half do it, it's like, you know, it's like being held in a container. So yeah, that container was great for me. At first I, I used to like, maybe you did this too. I used to spend like hours before each reading, like basically doing the reading 10 times. And then, yeah, until I got my confidence up, you know, you, you got to have the confirmation and yeah. And then eventually like I'd 
I, you know, I'd spend 30 seconds before like tuning in before a person through like name and date of birth. Yeah. And then I, I also did like mentoring as well, which was like a combo of the two. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't do them anymore. Do you do readings still? I, I still do a few, um, mm-hmm. not as much as I used to, but I do do a, I have a method too. Like I feel mm. that, and I think also it's, it's, it could be exhausting work. So like if you have right. your little method, so I teach, um, like we read the chakras and then there's certain things that we do going into the Akashic mm. record, they like within a little container so mm. that, you know, you can, um, but yeah. I meditate before too, and I pull a lot of information, but when I train the girls, they'll be like, Nikki, I'm meditating for like an hour before. I'm like, well, at this point you're making like 20 bucks, man. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. Like now I just, I just like, not that I do it so much, but say before a circle or whatever, I, I pull a card. That's, that's my process now. And I might, I might say, go for a walk in that morning. If I've got an event, um, I will have a structure and I'll, I'll be tuning into the energy in that way, but I'll, the card is my my anchor point now. But I think there's many different ways to to have that. But yeah, I hear you. I know so many people who are like, "Oh my god, it's taking me." I used to do soul blueprint reports, and um, yeah. I loved them. That's that was actually the first thing I sold on my website. The soul blueprint report. I remember I was um I it was on one of my first dates with my husband, and I heard my phone go off, and it was the PayPal diddle or whatever. I was like, oh, was, and I actually knew the person who we'd done a training together. I'm like, shit, now I have to work out what a soul blueprint report really is. And I, oh my God, I would spend days, days on them. It was, but, and they were beautiful and like hand wrapped and it was amazing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, all of that, like physical groundwork at the beginning, it's, it is invaluable and it, it, it strengthens and you just do whatever you need to, to do to feel the ground and feel the container and the support. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. I um, we, we a lot of us can resonate with that. We totally. Get <laughs> I love that that title. That's a, that's such a good way of doing it. <laughs> so you're since you use the cards anyways. I have your star seed oracle cards with me, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna pull a card and you tell okay. us kind of from your art because you know I feel like art is in that you know has everything to do with how you see it right like mm-hmm. I pull cards and I may pull something totally different than maybe the meaning but that's the way that mm-hmm. it. so how fun for the artist to tell us what she thinks okay the void is what I got oh wow I love this well this is really I mean it was kind of birth mysteries it's kind of it is the mystery the ultimate mystery um and so yeah the void is that moment like in winter where it seems like nothing will ever grow again. You know, it's like it's, everything's pretty much dead, dormant, put to sleep. But really beneath the surface, nothing has ever been more active and more fertile. And so it's kind of like really the invitation is about like surrendering into the mystery or surrendering into the belief that, you know, maybe if you rest or maybe if you kind of like allow what you're currently doing to end, like the death, Mm -hmm. then come spring, something absolutely incredible will be able to grow. But unless, but if we kind of like, kind of dig, dig up the, the seeds and the bulbs, they're not going to grow. And so it really is about like 
the courage to to end and and die while still fully living. Oh, I love that. <laughs> for a second, that was beautiful. Mm. It has been such a theme for us today as well. I think yeah, we're talking a lot about death and rebirth. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. Um, so for being here with me and with all of us. Um, I'm excited about your membership, which you mentioned, which is the Rise. I love Rise to Rise is like has such a special place uh-huh. in my heart. I really, really love that book. I, I don't have it anymore because I've given it out so many times. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, but I love that book. And um, you have a membership that kind of coincides with that. Yeah, it's like, it's like soul work really. Yeah. Beautiful. And then do you have any upcoming events soon? I know you can yourself here. Yeah, I um I've actually just released on my website the online version of that. So it's like an online workshop. So it's four hours and um yeah, it's my latest teachings, I guess. Um we do like practices and soul journeys and activations in it as well. So yeah, that's that. Okay. Oh beautiful. So maybe kind of like the activations that are in your book, it feels like every time I read those little poems. I'm like, oh no, what's going to happen to me? I read it before I go to sleep. And I'm like, I'm going to wake up and something's going to be different. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with your book, there's, I, they seem to, they, they're like poems. They look like poems, but when you read them, you can feel that they're more activations. So um, I can feel that like you put a lot of intention into them. So that's why actually this book, I feel like you can't really read it in one sitting that Mm -hmm. might help to kind of put it down, pick it up, pick it down. Mm -hmm. Um, I was referring to the Starseed book, guys. So, um, but I would imagine in your course, it's probably like a live version of those activations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of them is um, really... With, with the grandmothers of the earth, the, the ancient keepers of the earth, it's very, it goes into the, like the center of the earth, like the, the healing waters of the earth and surrounded by them and the great mother. And then we do some chants and a water ritual. It's really beautiful. <laughs> I want to watch that. <laughs> Thank you so much. We Thank you, Nikki. It's been so lovely to chat to you and um yeah i appreciate you and your community being able to talk about these things (laughs) bye guys thank you so much for listening i love you guys so much if you love what you're hearing would you mind leaving a review or sharing with a friend that little review does so much it's so damn helpful you don't even know so thank you for that And if you're ready to unlock your spiritual gifts, enroll in my three-level program, Soul Academy, or join my free community, Soul Collective. I'd love to have you there. The links to join are below in this episode. Until next time, love you much.